This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 24th, 2023, given by disciple member George Wicks. What were we thinking, Adam and Eve? Thank you. Good morning. As Carrie said, uh, my name is George Wicks. I'm a disciple member here at Connection Church. Um, so one of the great things, by the way, of preaching a second service um, you get to work out some of the kinks. So this service, there won't be that long, awkward silence at the end of the service. I promise to do better this time. Um, but I'm also not worried about time. So who knows how long this will go today, right? And there's not an Eagles game this afternoon. So there are no time limits on this message today. Now, I did say to the first service this morning that the... Uh, um, title, What Was I Thinking, should have been about a guy who at the last minute agreed to preach a sermon that he really wasn't prepared to preach. Um, but we are going to continue that series, um, and what was I thinking, um, and uh, it's Adam and Eve, what were we thinking um, when they decided to fall into temptation. That's what we're going to look at today, and uh, we're going to really go through Genesis chapter 3. So, um, before we start in our uh, scripture study this morning, in our sermon, um, how about you join me in prayer? We ask for the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, um, thank you, Lord, for the chance to worship you this morning. Um, we pray, Lord, that you'll open our ears, open our hearts to hear your word and to be transformed by it. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will make us more like Jesus when we leave than when we came. And I pray, Lord, that if there's some here that do not believe yet on the Lord Jesus, that you will save them today. I pray they would believe in your glorious gospel and uh, know your mercies and your grace. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, we're going to spend some time today in Genesis chapter 3. Um, but first, let me give a little background on Adam and Eve. And uh, this is from Genesis 1 and 2. Um, so Adam and Eve, they were the first two human beings created by God. Adam was formed from the dust, um, basically formed like clay uh, by God. And then Eve um, was formed from Adam's rib. So um, Eve was formed from Adam's side. And these two were placed in a uh, garden that uh, after God's creation, he planted this garden and had all kinds of uh, trees for uh, uh, producing fruit for food. And um, there are also two special trees in this garden. One was the tree of life uh, right in the middle of the garden. <clears throat> there was also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And uh, they were told that they could freely eat of every tree in this garden, uh, the Garden of Eden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were told if that on the day that they ate that tree, the fruit of that tree, that they would surely die. So there was a restriction. That's the only restriction they had in uh, you know, their fellowship with God in, in this garden. It was a paradise on earth. Um, they were charged with tending to the garden, um, but I don't think it felt like work. I think that it felt you know, completely joyful to tend this garden and to walk with God. And it indicates that... Uh, there was a sweet fellowship between them that God would walk in the garden during the cool of the day. And, um, you know, this was everything someone could want. Um, 
And so some time goes by here. We're not really sure how much time. We can take a few guesses, but um, time goes by and we reach Genesis chapter 3. And then the serpent at the beginning of the Genesis chapter 3, he decides that the time is right to tempt Adam and Eve to do the wrong thing or to sin against God. Now, before we get into um, the reading of uh, Genesis chapter 3, how many of people realize in here that there's a few intermediate steps from paradise to falling into temptation, right? Like, it doesn't usually go in a person's life, I have great fellowship with God, and all of a sudden, boom, I fall off and I, I sin, a terrible sin. You know, there's usually intermediate steps that get you there. Um, sometimes it's, you're just not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Um, you know, my wife's a second grade teacher. That's her rule for her classroom. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And that's usually what gets us in trouble, right? That we're somehow somewhere where we weren't supposed to be or we're doing something when we weren't supposed to be there. Um, so there's a few intermediate steps and we are reading between the lines here. It doesn't describe what those steps are, but I think from everyone's life, before you ever, you know, sin, um, there's a few steps that get you there. And meaning that um, there was something that Adam and Eve were doing or saying that indicated to the serpent or the devil working through the serpent that the time was right for temptation. Um, you know, maybe they were spending a lot of time uh, surrounding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, gazing at that. So we're told that the tree of life was right in the middle of the garden. You know, when we talk about being in the center of God's will, all right, it's, it's to be around his life, right? Perfect fellowship with God. So th there you have the tree of life right in the center. We're not told where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. Where was it planted? If I had to guess, and this is just me guessing, I would say it's probably right on the edge. You know, when, when people talk today about... Um, being edgy, right? Um, being on the edge, that's probably where they, if they were spending time around that tree, they're spending time around the edge. And what happens to people that spend a lot of time on the edge, um, and I try to tell my, my children this too, is they end up falling off the cliff, right? So um, maybe they were doing that, spending too much time around that tree where they were not supposed to eat the fruit of that tree. Um, maybe they had just skipped some time fellowshipping with God. Um, maybe in their minds it gotten a little stale or mundane. Um, maybe they weren't as appreciative of God's blessings as they first were. But there was something that indicated to the serpent at this time that now's my time to pounce on Adam and Eve. Now's my time to tempt them and he was, as we'll read, was successful in that temptation, and they fell. Um, maybe it was just something that they were saying um, that would indicate they were slightly dissatisfied with God, or there was um, something, you know, there that where we went from a perfect paradise, and they're still living in a perfect paradise. They haven't sinned yet, but there's something that's indicating to the serpent, now's a great time to tempt them. 
And so we begin Genesis chapter 3, and it says, and I'm going to read verses 5 to start. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Um, one of the reasons I, I think they may have been spending quite a bit of time there, because it seems like they're right there at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when this temptation begins. It's not like they had to walk over to it. And, you know, the Garden of Eden was a pretty good-sized place. Um, Eden itself is described as a really large land area. Um, so I think they were right there, right in front of this tree that they weren't supposed to eat the fruit of. Um, when this temptation takes place. Now, this path to sin um, or succumbing to temptation, it starts with this interaction with Eve and the serpent. Um, I think it does beg the question, by the way, where's Adam? You know, this whole interaction goes on here, and it turns out he's right there the whole time. I don't know why, you know, he didn't uh, stand up for his wife at some point, um, but Nevertheless, this whole thing happens between Eve and the serpent with Adam right there. Um, you know, the serpent is going to present God as a tyrant withholding good things from us. You know, if this mean old father up in the sky would just, you know, be kind and give you good things, you know, life would be so much better for you, Eve. Um, that's what, you know, the serpent is saying here. Um, he makes God as though he's withholding something good. Um, and then notice that Eve, you can tell she's really in, getting in a bad place pretty quick because she subtracts from God's word and she adds to God's word. All right. So I'm going to show you how she does that. But um, there's all kinds of warnings in the Bible um, from beginning to end about the dangers of adding to God's word and subtracting from it, at least four different times. You know, he talks about if you add to it, he's gonna to add to the curses in there. If you subtract from it, he'll remove the blessings. So there's really big warnings. Don't add to his word, don't subtract from it. And that's, she does both. Now, back in Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, God told Adam this, and he says, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may, and listen to this word, freely eat. Okay? So of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. In verse 17 in chapter 2, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So Eve, when she responded to the serpent, the word she removed was the word freely. Um, and then she adds, neither shall you touch it. See, God, did, God didn't say that. Um, he did not say you couldn't touch it, but she adds it. All right, so she's subtracted from God's free grace, 
and she minimizes God's free grace. And by the way, that's, that's where all sin and temptation start, is when we start to become unthankful or minimize the blessings of God in our life. We see that as a small thing. We see it as though we deserved it. You know, God had said that to Adam for a reason. He was basically saying, I've given you all these things freely. Like Adam didn't earn all the trees and the beautiful garden, the paradise that he was placed in. He didn't do any work to earn it. God freely gave it to him, just like he freely gives us salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't do a single thing to earn that. Uh, Not a single thing to earn God's love in Jesus Christ. So she removes this word freely. And um, she also adds something, which is, you can't even touch it. Um, She adds that also, so it's trying to make God out to be someone who's withholding something good from them. You know, God's withholding fun from me and Adam. And if we would just be able to eat that fruit, um, well, you know, just like the serpent said, we'd be much smarter, we'd be very wise, our eyes would be opened, you know, all these good things. And God is trying to withhold that from us. And by the way, the last thing here is, the last thing that gets her ready to fall into temptation is, um, she doubts God's promise. So, remember the uh, the serpent says, "You shall not, you shall not surely die." You know, and that, that's what God said. God said, "Yeah, if you eat the fruit of that tree, you're going to die, surely die." And the devil says, "Oh, he's not. You know, he's over exaggerating, right?" Um, that's the the temptation here. Oh, he's just trying to withhold some fun. He's not really serious about you dying. I mean, come on, you know? Um, So once she stops believing God's promise, and that is a promise of God, you eat this fruit, you will surely die. Just as much as the positive promises of the scriptures, this is a negative promise um, of God, and he keeps his promises. So she gets to that point And now she's ready to fall. At this point, it's just, you know, a matter of moments before she falls into sin and Adam with her. Um, We go on to verse 6 of chapter 3, and it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Um, So this breaks it up into three parts of a temptation. Now, in 1 John 2.16, I'm going to read you that. And it shows you that every temptation has broken up into three different categories. Um, So 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, here's the first part, the lust of the flesh, and then the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So you can see there that those three parts of any temptation was in the first temptation, right? Um, The tree was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes. It's the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. And that's the pride of life. Remember the serpent said, you'll be like God, having your eyes opened. 
So for us, it's good to know that every temptation that we'll ever face falls in one of those three categories. And you can almost say, oh, okay, I, I see what that is. You know, that's, that's tempting my pride. That's tempting me to be prideful. Or you can say, um, well, that's just to satisfy the lust of my flesh. Um, and if you know that that's how it's going to be presented to you, which every temptation you'll ever be presented with falls in these one of these three categories, um, you'll have much better success in resisting them. Um, so that's what she's presented with, and she falls. And then we see Adam's right there beside her, and he takes the bite of the fruit also. And uh, just think about how much time it took to eat that fruit. We think maybe two minutes. And now we've had uh, um, six, about 6,000 years of, uh, of death, destruction, rebellion, um, you know, because of that two minutes. And that's how sin works in our life, right? When we fall to temptation, you get about, you know, a few minutes of pleasure there, and then sometimes a lifetime of regret. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. That's how sin works. Um, but there is hope here that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so we get to now what happens after they succumb to temptation. Um, Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 13 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Uh, just as a side note before I keep on reading, because I like to do that every once in a while, um, whenever you see uh, the fig or fig leaves, um, you see in the New Testament, Jesus curses the fig tree, Right? And uh, people come back the next day and they see that it's dead, the, the fig tree that he cursed. Anytime you see the, the, the fig tree or figs, it's talking about someone's self-righteousness, their own attempt to cover their sin. Not, I mean, because God covers their sin and actually washes them away now because of the blood of the lamb, right? But people that try to, and especially the Israelites, when they tried to cover their sins um, in their own righteousness by keeping the law, that's what is the, really the fig tree is uh, pointing to here. So Adam and Eve, they try to deal with their sins by covering them and they're covering their shame with fig leaves, all right? They're trying to make do with their own self-righteousness. Doesn't go well, doesn't cover up very well, by the way. Um, anyway, verse 8 and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, this is a great answer, by the way. That woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. <laughs> and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Um, 
man, Adam, he, he's something else here, isn't he? <laughs> that woman, Lord, that you gave me, he's blaming it on her. He's also blaming God, by the way. You know, that woman you gave me, Lord, she's responsible. By the way, God holds Adam responsible. You know, Jesus is called the second Adam for a reason. And by the way, Eve wasn't even created when God uh, told Adam about the restriction on eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was his job to let her know. Maybe he was the one who added to Scripture. She was just repeating what he said. But God holds Adam responsible for the fall. Um, you can even read about that in uh, Romans 5, okay? You know, basically where Jesus undoes all the things that were lost in Adam. All right, so, you know, here's, here's what starts happening here after they succumbed to temptation. It's shame and blame, okay? Shame for the first time. You know, it was a new feeling for them. They had never felt shame before. Um, it was probably really, really just, uh, probably really made them feel afraid. Just the shame that they felt. Uh, they were afraid of God. You know, when you're in the presence of a holy God and you're a sinner, which we all are, um, it's a fearful thing. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. I've only experienced it a few times in my life, but praying and really feeling a strong sense of the presence of God and feeling like I couldn't get low enough on the floor. Um, you know, sometimes I felt his peace in a really strong way, but other times I felt his holiness and I felt like I needed to get down and get on my face um, because it is an awesome thing to come before a holy God who knows everything about us, you know? That, that's a, just an awesome thing. And um, they, they, they've now blamed others, but that was their first reaction. It wasn't to confess their sins before the Lord. It was to point fingers. How often does that happen today? Um, when we're caught, the first thing we do is usually not confess our sins to the Lord, right? We, it was really them. It's that woman you gave me, Lord. Um, it's her fault. Certainly couldn't be mine, <laughs> right? So um, things are the same even uh, 6,000 years later. But these are all signs that their relationship is greatly changed with God, that their relationship with God is broken because of what they've done. And then here's the consequences, the judgment of God because of what they did. Verses 14 through 24, and says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. 
In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and th thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now let, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed it east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So here is a summary of the curse. The serpents are cursed more than any other animal. And I think that's almost obvious today. You know, a snake is almost synonymous with evil. Um, we certainly don't think about a snake, most people don't, at least as like we do um, as a golden retriever, right? You know, one, one we usually, now I know there's exceptions out there, but most people, especially Christians, you know, don't see a serpent uh, the same way they see a nice pet dog, right? There's cursed more than any other animal, I would say. And they crawl in their belly, and that might not have been the case before the fall, because it seems like that's part of the curse, that they would eat of the dust of the ground. Um, women are cursed in that because there's now death in the world, their conception is greatly increased. That means they're going to have to have a lot more babies because people are going to die. And to keep the population of the world up um, and to fill the earth, um, you're gonna, women are going to have their conception greatly increased. And they're going to have travail in, in childbirth, meaning that childbirth is going to be very difficult. Um, I have never said, I have four kids. I've never said, we had a baby today. <laughs> I like my life too much, right? I've heard actually other people, other men say that before, but no, my wife had a baby today. We, we have a new child, but she had the baby. She had the travail. She had the childbirth. <laughs> that's not me. Um, I'm actually thankful that that's not part of my curse. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then men, you know, they, they didn't have to work before, right? The fruit of the trees was their food. Here was their work. And just eat the food and enjoy it. Now we have to till the ground. Our food comes from the ground and we have to do it, um, you know, from the sweat of our brow. And, and uh, it's hard because... It's, the ground's also cursed. That means it produces weeds. And I think probably bugs and mosquitoes. Um, I would recently say yellow jackets are a part of the curse. I can't see why they're good, especially if I got stung by them. The ground, they, they came out of this cursed, okay? That all came about because Adam and Eve sinned against God. So in other words, Death entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned, and that's both physical and spiritual death. Um, 
Physical death, by the way, death always means separation. It doesn't mean annihilation. So to be physically dead is the separation of your soul from your physical body, right? Soul's still living, um, still existing anyway. Spiritual death is being separated from the life of God. All right, so, and everyone, because of Adam and Eve's fall, they're separated from God at birth. They need to be born again. They need to be born spiritually. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, um, we have original separation, and we need to have new life in Jesus Christ. Um, Every single person, in order to fellowship with God, needs to be born again. And that is through faith in the Lord Jesus. Um, So quite a big consequence. You know, who, who, who would have thought, right? And who thinks the consequences are this grave when we sin? When, you know, when we keep taking those steps into temptation and moving closer and closer to sin, we never really think about that until and then we're amazed at how bad it can be sometimes. But there's still good news. There's still hope. But I did want to ask, have you ever found yourself you know, you don't, please don't raise your hand, by the way. But have you found yourself in the same position as Adam and Eve? Just saying, I never imagined it would be this bad when I sinned this way. Um, but it usually starts the same way, right? You wanted something that you shouldn't have. Um, you gave in to temptation because you thought you were missing out. You felt shame and separation from God, and then you experienced the negative consequences. But the good news is, um, first of all, not to make light of the sin, but we all have. We've all sinned. We've all experienced that in some way. Um, You know, Carrie and Alan say it every week up here, right? That they're sinners, and I want to proclaim too, I'm a sinner who's been saved by the grace of God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved by Christ alone. I have nothing to offer to him. And he had everything to offer to me. You know, so, uh, you know, God sent Jesus, the Father sent Jesus to save sinners. And he came to reclaim all the good that Adam had lost. So think about the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about, first of all, right after he got baptized, he was led out into the wilderness, right? And uh, he was tempted by the devil. And if you read those temptations in Matthew chapter 4, you'll see it falls into the same three categories. The only difference is he didn't fall to temptation. He's without sin. So he started reclaiming right there. First thing he did was, win victory over temptation and victory over the devil. And then when he goes to be crucified, do you remember what crown they put on the king? Crown of thorns, right? So it's showing that he came under the curse. He came under the curse to undo the curse. He came under the curse of Adam and he won victory over it. And now he's reclaiming uh, the world And when we move into the millennium, whenever that starts, um, he will have reclaimed nature from the curse. 
Um, one fruit of the tree condemns us. You know, when, when they partook of the fruit of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, it condemned us all. But now, the fruit of another tree, it saves us. The fruit of the tree, the cross, it saves us, right? So, just like one fruit condemned us, well, Jesus takes the fruit of another tree, spiritual fruit, and he saves us. Remember how his bride was formed. Remember, we're, we're the bride of Christ, right? The church. The church universal, everyone who's ever believed on the Lord Jesus for salvation is a part of his bride. And how did, was his bride formed? How was his bride birthed? It was birthed because a Roman soldier took a spear and put it in his side and all his blood came out on the ground. So just like Adam uh, had his wife from his side, Jesus gains his wife from his side. Um, and so he is in the business, the Lord Jesus is, of restoring good. All the, all the bad that all the people are brought into the world you know, through sin, well, Jesus is in the business of restoration. And he's been in that business from the very beginning. Uh, remember that uh, they didn't die physically that day. They did die spiritually, by the way. And they're kicked out of the garden, Adam and Eve. But remember what God did? He, he killed an animal because he took animal skins and covered them. So he had a temporary sacrifice to point to the final sacrifice. He probably used a lamb. I would, I would guess that the Lord used a lamb right there to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. And then now the Lord Jesus covers us in his righteousness, right? But that was what was pointing to the Lord Jesus. Even Jesus even overcomes our shame. You know, most people have something in their past that they're ashamed of. You know, he was uh, put on that cross for all to see and probably had nothing on. You know, imagine the shame. Imagine the shame of being crucified like a criminal. But he takes all of our shame upon himself. We don't have to live in that shame anymore. You know, he who the uh, son sets free is free indeed, right? We're free from the shame because he took it upon himself. He took all those sins that we've committed and he took it. It's probably why when he was in the garden, remember, he won a victory in the garden too. Adam and Eve lost in the garden. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he won. He did the will of the Father, Right? But the weight of all of our sins was so great that he started sweating blood as though he was in a great big wine press. The weight of our sins, but he took it upon himself. So he's been in the business uh, ever since Adam and Eve fell of undoing it. And what's even better is not only is he restoring what was lost, he's making something completely better. You know, not, not only are we going to have paradise restored, the heaven that we have, the inheritance that we have together as the bride of Christ, it's greater than what the Garden of Eden was. The Bible says that we can't even imagine, you know, how great this will be. 
that it's not entered into our minds, you know, the, the greatness of what it will be to be with God all the time, to be right in his presence. We have that waiting for us because not only did Jesus restore what Adam lost, but he, he's making something completely better, something new, um, a new heavens, a new earth, and we're gonna be with him for all eternity. Um, so he's been in, in the business of taking our messes and he makes a masterpiece out of our messes. He can do that. He can turn um, just something that's been completely burned to the ground and take the ashes and make something beautiful from the, from the ashes. And he does start by confronting us so that we turn from our sin and we turn back to him. You know, he does give us mercy and he delivers us from shame and fear. He renews our relationship with him. Um, that's the first thing that he does. And I want to finish by saying this. The serpent had it wrong from the very beginning. He still has it wrong. He will tell you and he will tell me that there is no consequence to my sin. Do what feels good. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, people that tell you there's something wrong with what you're getting ready to do, they're just closed-minded, right? They're old-fashioned. They're not on the right side of history. And whatever else people say today to try to excuse sin. So that's what the devil will tell us all. Just go ahead and do whatever feels good. You deserve it. But the truth of it is the consequences of sin and doing wrong before God are really bad. You know, there's some, and you know, the nature of sin is that sometimes I sin and it hurts someone else. That's one of the natures of the disease of sin. You know, many, many times if I sin, it's the disease that I have that hurts someone else. That's how sin is. So that's what the devil will tell you at the beginning. And then when you do sin, the devil will tell you there's no hope. There's no hope. God will never forgive you. No one can forgive you. You know, look what a horrible person you are by doing this horrible thing. The gospel is the exact opposite of what the devil told Eve and Adam. That there is a consequence of sin. It's separation. But there is hope after we've sinned. There's restoration. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's full forgiveness. You know, he can heal the worst disease. He can heal um, the, the thing that's broken that no one else could be th thought could be put back together. And it's easy for him. You know, um, that's the gospel, that there is a consequence of sin, but that the Lord loved us so much that he took it upon himself. And now we have hope because of what he did. Um, and we have grace that we can receive, grace upon grace, that if we would just believe on him, we can be restored and um, we can find forgiveness. And we can find a relationship with God. That is so awesome. And you know the reason that people don't think it's awesome these days and think less of the grace of God is because we don't have a picture of how great he is. You know, with just a word, he can create the universe. He can fling the stars. And we think it's a little thing. You know, I didn't say any of this, by the way, in the first service, but we think it's a, a little thing that when we use his name in vain, you know, 
I hear it all the time. And, and we think it's a little thing that I can't even imagine the, like, the blessings that God has given me and given all of us. It's like grains of sand. There's so many of them. They're too many to count. And I don't deserve any of them. But that, that's what God gives us, you know? Um, so that's what we have. That's the gospel, a restored relationship and to live in blessings so large that we can't count them. Um, that's who God is. So uh, I just want to ask you, would you believe on him this morning? Trust in the Lord Jesus. Find forgiveness. Find hope. And find restoration. So can you join me in prayer? Oh, Father, I thank you that you've been really good to us, that you've poured out grace upon grace, the sure mercies of David, how you've loved us. And I pray, Father, that we would receive that love this morning, that we would trust in Jesus for restoration, and you would uh, restore anything that we've lost through sin. And um, Lord, we would see the beauty that you can create from the ashes that we make. Father, I pray you would get all glory, all praise, and honor in our lives. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great love for us. I pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.